Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Welcome everybody into the ESPN FC studios for this, the latest edition of the show alongside Stuart Robson, Steve Nickel, I'm Sebastian Salazar. So glad to have you with us. We got lots to get to from all around Europe, but we got to start with the game that just ended here on ESPN plus Real Madrid playing to a 2-2 draw uh, against Valencia. And we've got the video from a dramatic conclusion to the end of this game. It was 2-2 with just seconds left. And Jesus Gil Manzano, the center ref, blew his whistle shortly after Real Madrid seemed to have scored a goal, or at least during the play. So here's a look at it. We're past the seven minutes uh, of added time. Corner kick comes in from Modric. It goes out, and at this point, you can see the referee right there in the middle of your screen. Seems to blow the whistle. Jude Bellingham gets what would have been a game winner, but it's been blown dead, and the Real Madrid players are absolutely furious. Uh, Rabo, just your, your reaction to this. Well, he went to blow the whistle when the ball first got knocked out, and he didn't do so. Mm-hmm. And then the ball, as the ball was kicked, mm-hmm. that's when he blew the whistle. Mm-hmm. And then he, so two seconds later, or a mm-hmm. second later, the ball's in the back of the net. And all the, obviously, the players are upset, the, the, the Real Madrid players are upset. Once that, if he'd have blown it as the ball got knocked away, that would have been fine. But he left it a fraction of a second, mm-hmm. and then he blew the whistle. Watch him again here. He goes to blow the whistle. It's like a pump fake. On this point here. He doesn't blow the whistle because we saw it on the close post. He then blows it there as the ball's been played into the box. He shouldn't do that. The ball should be allowed to be played into the box and a goal should have stood. But he blew the whistle before the, as the cross was played in. Mm. Stevie? Absolutely horrible refereeing. Mm. I mean, just... It makes no sense mm. that you second-guess yourself and then you see that the ball's being crossed and then you decide to blow the whistle. It's just horrible refereeing. Mm. Now, people will complain and say, when the time's up, the time's up. Right. But you, you, you need, it's called game management. Okay. And that is just a ridiculous time to blow the whistle because <laughs> if What's the, the attacking team scores... He's got to let the attack finish, is that you, true? Ha- you have to make sure... What, you wait until it's, it's dead. Mm. You, you can't let... If he'd have blown the whistle when he first put it to his mouth, that would have been okay because the ball was going away. Because of facing away. Until the cross was played, that was the wrong decision. Mm. Yeah, it's it's just just horrible game management. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, game finishes in a 2-2 draw. We've also got with us uh, Luis Garcia. Luis, you were watching this one live. What did you think about the final seconds there? (laughs) It's a very bad timing. You know what? I, I think that he got his, he said that in the first 45 minutes, in the last second of the mm. first 45 minutes, Valencia was attacking. They were inside the box and he whistled. And the, uh, the Valencia players were complaining. So I think that when he saw the ball go, uh, going out of there and he was going to whistle in that last minute, he had that in his head. And he, saw, and he thought, if in the first 45 I didn't allow it, I'm not going to do it. Mm. But in that, that moment that he was thinking, one, two seconds and the ball started flying into the box. And he started whistling the end of the game. Of course, he decided just before the, the, the Bellingham hit or headed the ball into the net. So, of course, it's not allowed the, the goal. But definitely, it's a very bad timing for, uh, for the whistle. 
As for the rest of the game, here you see the uh, final stats of the 2-2 draw. Hugo Duro and Yaremchak scoring three minutes apart in that first half for Valencia. Vinicius Jr. Uh, with his eighth and ninth league goals of the season as this one finished in a 2-2 draw. What does it mean then at the uh, top of the Spanish top flight? Well, Real Madrid missing out on a chance to push their lead over second place Girona to nine points instead just uh, seven after picking up the point Barcelona. I mean, so many places we could start. I think just generally, uh, Real Madrid dropped points here, right? And it was a bit of a disappointing performance, especially in that first half. I think they went out in the first half and mm -hmm. they, they played with two white players. They didn't play with a centre forward and Bellingham was sitting deeper. And Valencia were the old-fashioned 4-4-2. So mm -hmm. their two centre-halves had nobody to mark. So for the first 15, 20 minutes, Real Madrid could pass the ball easy round the back and then you see the stats, they had loads of possession. But there was no penetration. Mm -hmm. There was no forward movement. They didn't have a centre-forward. And eventually Valencia thought, hang on, we can go and press the ball a little bit higher up the field. We can corner... Real Madrid, we can win the ball back and cause one or two problems. And Real Madrid started to make mistakes. They didn't have an answer to it. They didn't change it until they started the second half when they got Vinicius Junior and Rodrigo to play much narrower. Sometimes Bellingham went out to the left-hand side. So they did have players playing through the middle. So that's what changed. And that's why they were more effective in the second half. What was your prediction, Robbo, in the pregame show? Remind me again. I thought Real Madrid would win 2-1. Okay, you had Real Madrid winning. You know who picked a draw? I think Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia picked the draw. Luis, uh, why did Real Madrid struggle so much? Well, I think that uh, Robo mentioned a, a few of the good things why Real Madrid once again did just enough, and today they just got short. Uh, we've seen Real Madrid 1-0 uh, against Valencia, 1-1 against Rayo Vallecano, 1-0 against Leipzig. And in the past two, three months, it's been like this every single weekend. Because the amount of all the rotation, players injury, and of course the talent that this team is got, they play and in the end they manage to get the result. But today against a, a team that is very well organized, once again Ruben Baraja has done an amazing job with this Valencia. It just got short in the second half, again, more intensity, bringing uh, fresh legs, bringing more players into the center, trying to uh, create a little bit more danger, but it wasn't enough because Valencia, is, I think they conceded only six goals in the, in, the, in the season. So that showed that this team, he was ready to fight against Real Madrid. It's true that Valencia knew that making quick transition, they will have their option, they will have opportunities, and the Real Madrid, when they have Tramani and Rudiger at the back, they struggled on the build-up. They covered the, 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 the area of uh, Tony Cruz that today uh, was disappeared because there was always a player on him because he's the player who can manage, who can keep the tempo, who can really make the rest of the players play. And in the end, Real Madrid, yeah, they managed to get that result uh, with another goal and get the equalizer. But I thought that Valencia was going to keep that, that momentum and, and stay with the 2-1 to, to Real Madrid. I think they got just too short and that's what they're going to feel in the next games because against Leipzig, it's going to be very similar. This is one of those strange results that even though you're sitting top of the league and you drop points, normally the question is, oh, you're dropping points and we can't afford... This won't feel like that. Why? Because of the way the game ended. They will feel as though they've had two points ripped from the from the grasp, and so they'll be galvanised by the fight. Really? Aye. Mm -hmm. they, they, you know, nobody at Real Madrid is going to be looking at the table, going, "We've dropped points. Oh my goodness, we can't afford to drop any more." Which, of course, they can't. But the whole psychology 
of, of certainly going into the Leipzig game, mm. they, will go, they will go into this next game on a high. It won't affect the Leipzig game, but remember, Bellingham is now will be suspended. After yeah, the and I mean, beyond, beyond the, the final result, I get it, in the, the end of the game, but the 90 minutes, that doesn't concern you at all from a Real Madrid kind of title pursuit perspective? I know they've got a cushion. Not the title pursuit. How they performed would worry me, right. and that they, they went about it in the wrong manner, and how they started the game so slowly, and they wanted to calm the crowd down, but they didn't then pick it up when things started to get a, a, a bit feisty. Mm-hmm. And that's what they, they had to do much earlier in the game than wait till the second half to play what, better. What did you make of Bellingham today? He looked slightly off the pace today. He made one good run in the first half when Vinicius Jr. I think played it with the outside of his boot. He got in behind. Uh, he didn't look quite so sharp in possession. He didn't make so many forward runs. Uh, yeah, he looked a little bit off the pace, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Vinicius Jr., uh, the talking, the subject of conversation before the game. He gets the two goals. Uh, I mean, he's the difference there for Real Madrid. He bails him out. In the right place at the right time. I think he was better in the second half because he played narrower. In the first half, he was up 1v1 against Fulke, who did well against him. But he also didn't have anybody to play off of. Mm. So when, he, when you're playing as a wide player, you want to go past people, but you also want to be able to play one-twos off the front player. Mm. There was no one for him to play one-twos off or, or, or link up with. So that was the problem in the first half. Luis, Vinicius with a brace today. What would you make of his performance? Well, I think that, that it was okay. Uh, that, uh, definitely trying to, to be a danger in the left side. It's true that sometimes he were far away from, from the danger zone, that is when he's closer to the box. But uh, today was right when he has to be at the right time because in that first goal, he smelled that the ball was going to bounce around that area. In the second one, he was at that space that we normally don't see him. We see him normally very tight, uh, close to, to the line, trying to make 1v1 situation and assisting players. And today in the first 45, we saw that. But in the second one, as we can see right now, he's right there in the center of the goal, waiting to see what happened. And of course, uh, capitalizing that chance from uh, Brian Diaz. I think that um, it was a good game for him. They, he was big man of the match, probably because of those two goals and a couple of more actions. But uh, what I like the most is that he didn't try to make blood after that. He celebrated. Of course, we knew that if he had a hostile environment, he was going to react that way, showing to the, to the crowd, I'm here, I'm Vinicius, and I'll score two goals. Mm. It really is kind of their main scoring threat at the moment, isn't it? Yes, along with, I mean, not today, Bellingham wasn't, but Bellingham, Bellingham had one great chance, remember. Yeah. The goals have dried up a little bit for Bellingham, though, and, and it's hard to imagine them you know, keeping at the same pace that he did through the first he half can't of the do. season. He can't do He's a midfield player that's playing in an attacking role. He sometimes has to play on the left-hand side. And to your point, they don't have a nine, so it is kind of down yeah. to Vinicius, isn't he, it? He, Vinicius and Bellingham and Rodrigo. Rodrigo was, was in the first part of the second half playing as the main centre-forward. And if you play as the main centre-forward, you've got to be a goal threat. You've got to make runs in behind. You've got to, you've got to link up the play. And I don't think Rodrigo did that. That's why they took him off and bought Hossolua. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we look ahead to the Champions League, any worries there? Uh, Derek mentioned it in the commentary. Leipzig had a lot of chances in mm-hmm. the first game against Real Madrid. Uh, Simons, uh, Sesco all had chances early on in the game. Olmo played, I think, played well. If they don't get their attitude right, Real Madrid could have a problem. But if they get their attitude right and they start the game properly and they play on the front foot right. and get the ball into the front areas much quicker than they did today, I can't see them losing to Leipzig. Luis, if we get a similar performance like we did today from Real Madrid against Leipzig midweek, will it be enough? No, definitely not. Um, we saw what happened in the first leg. I think that they were lucky to, to manage to get that, that goal from Brian Diaz. That it was a, an excellent uh, play and a fantastic goal. But you could see that uh, Leipzig dominated. They uh, created so many, so many chances. Uh, you were talking about Chamisimos, Dani Olmo. They did an amazing job up front. And Sesco was the one who didn't uh, have the, the end product. But 
they are going to arrive to, uh, to the Bernabeu with the same mentality, the same intensity as the only way that they know how to, how to play. And if Real Madrid is not going to bring higher on the intensity, bring more aggressiveness up front, they're going to have problems. And this is a team, a German team, that is going to have that great result today and is going to try to, to do it again with, the, with that confidence. So, yeah, they need to bring the A game if they want to go through. All right, it sounds like the ending to this game is going a bit viral. Uh, people all over the world talking about it. Let's get another perspective on the crazy ending that we just saw. I believe Julian Laurent uh, is with us. Jules, what do you make of the last seconds there of added time in Valencia? I thought it was incredible. I mean, to be fair, between the, uh, the Diakabi injury, uh, that as distressing that was, and the, the finale of it, the goal that they scored a few seconds after the referee had blown the whistle was... Really incredible. I mean, I think we all watched it feeling that there would be a time where Ramjud would score that winner like they've done so many times. And even when they don't play well, they usually find a way of coming back into games and then winning. Uh, but for it just, they just scored the five seconds too late, really. Apart from that, they would have won that game. It was incredible, really. But I like what Valencia showed. I like what Ruben Barajas is doing over there. Real Madrid won't be able to make those mistakes against Leipzig because, as the both just said, Leipzig are on good form. They're a really good team. They will punish any mistakes that Real Madrid could make next week at the Bernabeu. But with the advantage from the first leg, I think it's hard to see Real Madrid not really making sure that they qualify for the quarterfinals. There's some worry, Robbo, about the vulnerability of Real Madrid defensively. We were talking about it before the game. Mm -hmm. Yes, a little bit. But I don't think when Chiuamani... Valencia had, what, like 20... 5% possession? Yeah. And looked very dangerous with it when they had it. I wouldn't say they looked very dangerous. They had one or two, they obviously scored a couple of goals. Or two goals. But the mis they were mistakes mainly by, mm -hmm. by Real Madrid. That was the vulnerability. They didn't play enough with the ball, Real Madrid. My worry would be the left-back. Mm. Chiuamani, I think, has done an excellent job when he's played at centre-half. He's a midfield player playing at centre-half. Rudiger is a good player. Carvajal made a mistake today, but I think he, you know, he's a still a big player. Mm. Mendy is a player that if he's not given any protection down that left-hand side, he can make mistakes. Mm. He's not very good in 1v1 situations, and I think he's always, always liable to make a, a blunder. And, and the same with Fran Garcia. I don't think Fran Garcia is quite powerful enough defensively. So Real Madrid then, at the end of the day, go away. They get a point. It pushes their lead to seven points. Uh, atop the table over Girona, who are in action tomorrow. That game kicks off at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Girona away to Mallorca. And then uh, Barcelona, who are also chasing the league leaders, are away to Athletic Club. Coverage starts 2.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. We'll have plenty more on that uh, Real Madrid-Valencia match later in the show. Uh, Sid Lowe working on some post-match interviews as we speak. Harlan De Bruyne, Stevie and Shepard Spy, Shaka and Naps, all great teammates. But what's the perfect teammate for growing your business? Well, that's Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify makes it easy for you to show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style with gorgeous, flexible templates and powerful tools. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com FC. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash FC. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go from Spain to England, the Premier League. Nottingham Forest taking on Liverpool. We're cutting straight to the uh, the important part of this one. <laughs> Final minutes uh, of stoppage time here. Forrest can't clear, and eventually ball's going to find its way into Darwin Nunez, and there it is, the game winner in the ninth minute uh, of added time when we actually only started with eight. Stevie, you must have been going wild. Well, I just I had 0-0 zero, zero in my head. I, Liverpool from the first whistle almost to the last, just as much possession as they had, they created a couple of, if I'm pushing it, I would say half chances. But quite frankly, they didn't create. Mm-hmm. And so to get the win with the last touch of the game pretty much is huge. But Forrest have got to look at themselves. They had two opportunities to clear the ball, didn't take them, mm-hmm. and the ball ends up in the back of the net. So here's what it means for the top half of the Premier League table. Then a uh, four-point lead for Liverpool over Manchester City uh, ahead of tomorrow's Manchester derby. Uh, Luis, uh, Frank LaBeouf and Julian Laurent are all with us now. Good to have you boys. Uh, Liverpool, Robbo, this morning, what would you make of them? Uh, they didn't play at their very best. Mm-hmm. Uh, Forrest had a couple of chances, 1v1. Uh, the goalkeeper made another couple of good saves. Mm-hmm. They were still the better team by quite some way. Uh, but I saw Forrest play against Manchester United. It was a very similar game where Manchester United had a lot of the ball. Liverpool had a lot of the ball today without creating those really clear-cut chances. But... McAllister, I thought, was excellent again today. And it was him that provided the cross for the goal. Uh, good ball into the box. Of course, the referee could have blown the whistle mm-hmm. as it went out to McAllister. Well, if he'd been Spanish, he probably <laughs> yeah. would have done. <laughs> but it's a good header. Nunez changed the game when he came on, I thought. He yep. looked more powerful. He ran in behind. He went down the sides of defenders. They need him at centre-forward more often than not. When you're able to bring on a Nunez mm. in a slobber's light, it completely changes the game. We shouldn't be really surprised. Right. Because they, they create different problems. For, for any defence, never mind Nottingham Forest. And as Robbo said, as good as Liverpool were with the ball and they passed it around, you know there's a reason why the strikers get paid a lot more yep. than everybody else? Because of what they do in the final third. And that's why we win the game. 70% possession in this game for Liverpool, just two shots on target. Luis, what'd you make of their performance? Yeah, exactly. The guys are totally right. 22 attempts, only two shots on target. The la- in the last third, you could see that difference where where is Salah, where is Jota, where is Nunes. These are uh, uh, players who can capitalize on a single chance. And when you have some other players who have to work out or they play in different positions, we see Harvey Elliott is more at midfield than as a winger. Gapko today struggles so much. 
We saw him a couple of times into the middle, rushing things up. I think they, they didn't have the composure uh, that he's done in other times. And uh, you could see that with the young players, they, they play once again with Bobby Clark. I think he did a good job. But it still need some players who can, can give that extra. And what you were talking about, Sofoslai, he's a player who, when he's on the ball, you know, they can give you an assist, can give you a pass, can strike the ball from long distance. And this make the opponent uh, try to, to, to feel the danger and open up a little bit more. It's true. Once again, Liverpool were a little bit lucky. I think Kelleger did a fantastic job when he, he was needed. Uh, but in the end, you could see that Liverpool was going to find a way. Uh, Dance arrived once again, the 18 years old, in the second half creating a few distractions into the last third and a couple of good passes, but it was Darwin who made a fantastic header to, to get the three points. I think well-deserved for Liverpool because in the end, uh, they, they, they had the desire from the first minute to try to, to create something. Luis, what did you celebrate more, Liverpool's goal or the fact that Real Madrid had one shocked off late? Be honest. I'm going to be honest and I'm going to tell you, with Liverpool... My wife was sleeping, so I couldn't shout much. <laughs> she was having a nap. But with Atletico Madrid, I was watching it with my son, and we made a, a couple of jumps. So I, I will say uh, with, uh, with Valencia uh, scoring the first goal. Frank, should we be focused on how Liverpool got the job done today or the fact that with you know, a bunch of academy guys in the lineup, they were able to win away from home? No, I think we have to go easy on uh, on Liverpool's performance today. Uh, after so many games playing such a, in such a short timing, and, uh, and with the amount of uh, uh, injured players that they have and the list that they have, um, it's understandable. Um, at the end of the day, they got the three points. Um, I know after the first half, I said, well, you know, it's going to be the same story. They're going to wake up and they're going to be better. But it didn't happen today. Uh, they struggle until the end. We're going to talk about the controversy about the injury of Konate and maybe the penalty against Go mess but uh, at the end of the day you know they are lucky and uh, luck is part of the game and um, when you have that lucky it's uh, it's it's a good sign to be uh, to become a champion that's uh, that's some uh, tricks that you need on your, in your pocket so yeah they haven't been good uh, except the, the last uh, I would say the defense uh, plus Bradley the young Bradley mm -hmm. uh, they, they, they they manage well, but it's true that after it's uh, it's very young, it's an experience. But they give they give what they have to give, and uh, you know, good for them. Um, they I think they I would say deserve to win, even if it's not that convincing. Hmm. Some people think they may not have deserved to win. Uh, some folks at Nottingham Forest very upset about how this game ended and really how the last goal went down. So in the build-up, uh, Liverpool gets the ball back after a, a head injury to Kanate, but the, the issue here is they shouldn't have got the ball back because Forrest has it. And Forrest, after the match, apparently the staff, Nuno, the players, all in sense, the owner apparently uh, getting into it as well. Uh, Stevie, I'll get your perspective on this first. Do they, do they have a gripe? If the referee has stopped the game because Kanati's got a knock in the head, then they've got a gripe for that because the rules are that Forrest should get the ball back. However, I don't know whether you've noticed, but there should have been a free kick on Kanati from Yates. I mean, he nearly takes his head off. So the referee has missed that. So in some ways, two wrongs have made a right because it should have been Liverpool's ball. So if you're Liverpool, your gripe is why you didn't get the ball in the first place. Right, should have been a foul. It should have been a free kick. So I guess depending on uh, where you come from, right. that, that's well, how you look at it. But, but the foul is subjective. The ref's got it wrong here. 
Yeah, because what the referee should have done, yeah. having, having not given the free kick, sure. and he then stops the play because Canate's got a head injury. Mm-hmm. And Forrest has Forrest the ball. Forrest have the ball. Well, the referee should be in control of that. Mm-hmm. It's not up to Liverpool to give the ball back. The referee almost throws yeah. it to, to Nottingham Forest. So yep. the referee didn't take control. You can't blame Liverpool for that. That's up to the referee. Right. Frank, what do you think? Yeah, it's really, um, it's really the referee's mistake. I mean, uh, as, as long as he doesn't give a free kick uh, um, for, for Liverpool and Konate, you have to give the ball back to Nottingham. And again, look at the action. Um, tell me that why they didn't check Gomez foul uh, uh, and, uh, and give a penalty to Nottingham first. I mean, I don't understand that action. I don't understand football oh, anymore. Oh, oh, I mean, that, that's crazy. We have, Frankie, Frankie. Well, yeah, OK, go on. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to bring up that, then, then you need to bring up Danilo on Dan's. Mm. You know, we, we sit here every time and talk about consistency. And there's no question Danilo has two arms around Dan. He's pushing him. Dan falls down. But he doesn't give it. And that's fair enough. So if you're not going to give that, then you absolutely cannot give the one on Joe Gomez. You know, as I said, we sit here and we want consistency. He was 100% consistent mm-hmm. on those two decisions. Frank? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, totally agree. But, uh, it, again, it's, it's part of the referees to do their jobs. And uh, you have people, I don't know, in the VAR um, uh, booth, I don't know what they do. Really, I don't know what they do. Because we all saw that. And we all saw that there were two penalties. And, again, if we only go back to that action of Konate, I think... It's not up to Liverpool to give the ball back. It's really the referee to decide who, whether Nottingham Forest has to get the ball back because they had it when the referee stopped the game or Liverpool because of a free, of a free kick. But because he didn't give the free kick, give the ball back to Nottingham Forest. That's only fair. Jules, it uh, happened less than two minutes before the Liverpool goal. Do Nottingham have a, a case for a complaint here? Over the Joe Gomez foul, you mean? Or... No, over the, over, over the fact that the referee gave the ball to Kelleher when it was clearly Forrest Ball and they should have got it. Yeah, I mean, it's a mistake. We, we all agree on that. It's Portini, who, by the way, is having a terrible season. He's a terrible referee this season. There's no doubt. Again, on that, we've, we've said it many <laughs> times on the show. Got that one wrong. But you're right. There's still a long way between the ball, Liverpool getting the ball back when it should have been a Forrest Ball because, because the foul on Konate was not given, as, as, as TV just mentioned, there's still, a long, there's still enough time for Forrest to defend better and not concede that goal. No. So I understand the frustration because no. it's, it's, it's a game like this. So I can understand the frustration, but, but they could also have defended better on that. It's not, it's not directly that the goal happened. So I, I understand the frustration, but we should never see an, an owner on the pitch full-time. I'm sorry, Marinakis, this is his stadium, it's his club, I understand that, but you should never come down and look like you are putting pressure on referees, on people who are there as the, representing the Premier League. This is not a good look. It's not a good look for yourself, for your club, for the league, for anything. You should not come down onto the pitch because you're frustrated that your team lost in the last kick of the game after what was a referee's mistake. Mm. Luis is just laughing about this uh, in Ibiza. Luis, what do you make of it? <laughs> no, to be honest, I understand Jules and what he mentioned, but it's kind of uh, Marinakis come from Olympiacos and I've been playing for Panathinaikos and I've seen that almost every weekend. So that's not something that I'm surprised. Of course, I was surprised <laughs> that it happens in the Premier League. 
But it's a, something that they usually do right there. That the uh, presidents, when they are angry with a referee, with a player, or with their own team, they go down to the dressing room, they go down to the pitch, and they make uh, whatever they want to do. I would uh, say because that's that, that's the way they, they they think and they have their culture. But um, I, just to say something about that, it's true. But imagine if there is a throw-in that touched one of the players and the referee got it a mistake. And two minutes after, uh, Liverpool uh, makes the, the goal. They are going to complain about the mistake of the referee not giving the, free, the, the throw-in to, to their, their team, to Nottingham Forest. This is a kind of mistake. It's true that there are four officials who can make and talk to the referee and say, listen, the ball is to Nottingham Forest because they had the ball. It's a mistake, but I think it goes through for two, three minutes until the goal arrives. So, yeah, it's a mistake, but nothing to say, mm. nothing more to say about that. Does the amount of time, Robo, does that impact how you look at it? A little bit, yeah. It's not as if they got the ball and went straight right. up the other end and, and scored the goal, and then they would have been, uh, or should have been, really upset. But it wasn't so long ago we were talking about more respect for referees, and mm. they shouldn't have players all around the referee, coaches coming on the field, a chairman now coming down from mm -hmm. the stands. I think it's got worse. Really? It's, it's certainly got worse. There's, there's been no respect for referees. They make mistakes, mm -hmm. and we all have a go at them. But as a, as a football, uh, you know, football clubs, players officials you can't do what we're seeing at the moment it happened it happens in a lot of games now yeah stevie final thought i don't think it's got what i'd certainly hope that the well, you usually go I home as soon as the final yeah. whistle goes i'm still there commentating yeah i don't i i think absolutely 100 percent the chairman and the owner right has to get some sort of some sort of fine or ban or whatever it is because that cannot happen. Mm -hmm. It's one thing. It's one thing for it's coaching TV. staff and players to complain, and I understand that you shouldn't be doing it. But for the owner to be coming down, no, they got to, they got to clamp down on that right now. Quickly, yeah. Frank, go ahead. Uh, yes, I think I can say to Stevie uh, that it got worse. I mean, I come from France, and when you you go to England and you you know that you will have to play in England, you know, uh, or I knew that at my time you couldn't say anything to the referee. That was part of the culture, part of the education. When the, play, when the, the referee says something, even if he made, makes a mistake, you don't answer to him and you don't uh, uh, complain about anything. That was the picture that we had about the Premier League. It's not that anymore, mm. from far. Maybe because some European, maybe some French people came over <laughs> and disturbed the etiquette. <laughs> Luis, what does this mean for Liverpool as far as the title race, getting a, a victory in this way? No, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's another boost. It's to keep the momentum. I think it was very important uh, just to keep at the top of the table, show that even in the, the worst moment of injuries, not having all the players ready uh, to, to, to get a consistent uh, win once again and to, to keep that not only because now it's coming the Europa League, they're going to need their best, they're going to need to continue rotating, and they manage to keep on going. I think the momentum is, is fantastic, the confidence on the players, they believe, because it's not the first time that this Liverpool side scored a goal in the last 10 or in the last five minutes. So that shows that in the end, everyone has to be ready for when Liverpool plays against you, for uh, give the 100% from the first minute until the 96, because Liverpool is going to continue drilling until they find the way of, of, of the net. So, yeah, big, big three points for Liverpool to maintain the momentum. If you want to, if you want to take this a certain way, you can say that Liverpool now can go to Man City and get beat and still be sitting top of the Premier League. That that's, certainly won't be the that's messaging, the difference, right? That's the difference between Liverpool winning today and taking a point. Mm. 
So it's massive as far it's as the title race is It's absolutely concerned. huge. Huge. Yeah. People like Arteta and the Arsenal and the Arsenal fans will all be looking at that. And we, obviously, Steve, talked about Man City. I'd look at an Arsenal point of view. Arsenal would be thinking with a, with a couple of minutes to go, rubbing their hands, mm -hmm. you know, we've got every chance of catching up with Liverpool now. It's not the case. They've right. now got to go and put another performance in. They've got to go and win the game just to stay in touch. Does it bother you at all that Liverpool are kind of just getting it over the line while Arsenal are just Couldn't ripping people apart? Less. City are capable of putting up five. Couldn't care less. It's not about playing. No, it's not about style. It's mm. not about patterns of play. It's not about all the lovely, lovely passing from the back. But compared to the teams I that you're fighting for over that title, it I is. I couldn't care less. Mm -hmm. If whether it's Kelleher or Alisson in goal, mm -hmm. every time he takes a, go a goal kick or gets the ball, if he kicks it 70 yards down the field and Liverpool win 1-0 with a flick on, mm -hmm. I couldn't care less. This time of the year <laughs> is about winning games. Mm -hmm. That's it. Luis, yeah. what are you laughing at? <laughs> no, nothing. It's no, totally true. Me. I think that uh, right now, with all, all the injuries and everything that is happening, it's about getting a three points, keep on going, keep at the top and putting yeah. pressure to the other team because now they don't have to wait and see. They need to get the, the result and wait and see. So I think that is, is a massive and huge moment for Liverpool to, to win the three points today against Nottingham Forest. Not an easy team. Go on, Frank. I hear you chuckling. No, no, no. I was laughing because that is, it's really true what Stevie just said. You know, I remember... And my time, and Shaka can talk about that, when Newcastle had 14 points ahead and Manchester started to win, you know, 1-0 at the end, 1-0. We all talk about the Fergie time, and it's really what it is. You know, you don't care about the way you play, and Manchester United wasn't playing, weren't playing well every time they, they played, but they were getting the three points, and it's what matters the most. Um, so it's why I was talking about the luck that you need, because that's what it is. That's what it is, you know, a last cross, a last header, and the last goal at the last minute. That's perfect. You go home, you're happy, you get the three points, and you think about the next game. Liverpool, one nothing winners over Nottingham Forest. Luis, we got to say goodnight. Thanks for staying up late with us here on ESPN FC. Of course, we'll be uh, covering the Manchester Derby on tomorrow's edition of the show, 5 p.m. Eastern time, right here on ESPN+. Plus. See if City can uh, get closer to Liverpool atop the Premier League table. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. Elsewhere in the Premier League, a couple huge results for the top four race. Uh, Spurs winning 3-1 against Crystal Palace and the Aston Villa. 3-2 winners 
over Luton Town. Villa then with a five-point lead over Spurs. Let's start with Villa. Another great performance. That's three wins in a row. Nine goals, Jules, in those three games for Villa, who right now are flying. Yeah, flying. I mean, they had a tough start of the year, really, when things didn't go their way. They got knocked out in the FA Cup on, on that Chelsea replay on ESPN. And then, and then they, they recovered their form. And I think for me, really, the, the main reason is, is Oli Watkins and the form that he's been in. I mean, Douglas Ruiz has been pretty fantastic too. Leon Bailey also had a bit of a deeper form and now he's coming back strong. But Watkins has been outstanding this season. I think he's the only player in the Premier League this season to have at least 10 goals and 10 assists. Nobody else right now, I think. Or maybe another one, but that's it. It's, it's pretty an outstanding season and I think we, we're slightly sleeping on him a little bit and maybe not uh, recognizing the, the, the great season that he's having because he, he carried them when they were not good at the start of the year. And now that they're back to their best, really pushing for that fourth place. They know that behind them, Spurs obviously won earlier, so they were aware of that result. They also know that United, certainly before the Fulham defeat, were on a pretty good run. So they, they know they, they need to keep winning to, to secure that fourth place. It won't be easy. They will feel the pressure behind them. But as long as Watkins keeps scoring, then they will be in a great position. Mm. What do you make of this Villa team in their pursuit of fourth? Um... I think if you're Emery, you're, you're asking yourself what happened to the start of the second half. Mm -hmm. Because at half-time, this game was done and dusted. But can't Luton do that to like a lot of people? Yeah, but it's, it's a, the one thing with Luton, the only thing, or generally the only thing you have to do with them, is you have to match the desire and the physicality. Because the majority of teams in the Premier League, man for man, are better. They're just better players. But if you don't match the physicality and the desire, then what happened in the second half can happen to you easily. But again, you've got to give them credit because at 2-2, two -two, there only looked like one winner. But yet Villa just found it from somewhere and came back. Mm -hmm. Some great substitutions from Emery, bringing Digne on and he gets the goal. Uh, so yeah, I, th I, think, I think Villa are a more rounded side. Uh, and that's probably why I would say for the fourth spot, they're... Their favourites over Tottenham for me. Mm -hmm. You agree with that, Robert? Yes. Uh, today was a was a good performance in the first half. They did everything you have to do against Aston Villa. The movement was good. We saw that when Man City played against Luton. If you've got good movement and good positional rotation, and you do things at pace, you cause them problems. At the start of the second half, they started to pass it slowly and not work as hard off the ball and found themselves in trouble. But I think they're a better team than Tottenham at the moment. Mm -hmm. What about Spurs today, though? Pretty impressive comeback. Impressive comeback, but for long periods of the game against what I would say is a fairly weak Premier League team, Crystal Palace at the moment. They had so much of possession, but didn't really create that many chances. The final pass wasn't quite there. Uh, Kulisevsky, who I really like as a player, kept on giving the ball away in the top third of the field. They just didn't make things happen. Uh, and I think they were fairly fortunate that they got the goal through a mistake by Crystal Palace to get themselves level, and the crowd got behind them. They scored the next two goals. Spurs are going to struggle to win consistently, I think. Jules, right now on the table, it's Villa, Spurs, Manchester United. Do you think it'll be that way when the season ends? Yeah, I, th I think so. I would say that right now. I mean, I think Spurs still have to play the top three. United as well, by the way. Um, so they will, they will keep dropping points. Uh, and I, I think Aston Villa who, by the way, are still the only team of the three in Europe, by the way. So they will have, we don't know how long that will last for, but they will have to play Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, certainly for the next two weeks, which is not going to be easy having those four games when the others will only have 
one game per week in the weekend, so the whole week to prepare and to rest and etc. etc. So that might make a difference at some point, but I still think Villa, for the form that they've had for most of the season, especially at home, for the consistency that they've had at the time, and I know Stevie is right today about the first half and the second half being very different and they could have dropped some, some points very, very in a silly way, I still, I still fancy Villa to, to stay in that fourth place. Brentford and Chelsea playing to a 2-2 draw on Saturday in a match that Brentford led until the 83rd minute. That's when Axel Di Sassi found the equaliser to make it 2-2. Nico Jackson scoring the opener for Chelsea in the 35th minute to put them up 1-0. What does it mean for the bottom half of the Premier League table with Chelsea there in 11th? And as for Brentford, they're 15th right now, six points clear of the drop zone. Frank LaBeouf is back with us. Uh, this was just about standard for what we've seen all year from Chelsea, wasn't it, Frank? It was, it was, Seb. And, um, and again, um, you know you have some hopes. You say, you see some, uh, some, some stuff that you say, okay, it's getting better. You know, they're more consistent. And second half, you, they lose it. And you don't, you don't know why, you know. And inconsistency, it was, uh, I think, is a conclusion of that game for both teams, I have to say, to be fair, because Brentford uh, barely existed for most of the game, but sometimes reacted in the, in the second half, reacted enough to, to disturb Chelsea and, uh, and score goals. But uh, we, we can see some good things from, from the two clubs, uh, especially Chelsea. Jackson scored a very good header, very nice header, but he had like five minutes before a big chance and easy, easy way to score a goal. We see Palmer as well, second half, you know, very disappointed by the, by the, the chance that he missed. Uh, but at the same time, sometimes you see silly mistakes and you, there is a reason why Chelsea is 11th. Mm. And uh, today was, in fact, um, the explanation of why they're 11th. They can go for good and sometimes for the worst. And is this why they are in the middle of the table? Mm. Jules uh, Pochettino, after the match, was talking about effort, which, to be fair, he's always seemingly talking about effort when things go bad. Uh, at Chelsea, it sounds like from what we saw on the TV in this game, the fans are starting to get fed up with it. Is that fair? I don't think they start, Sebi. Mm. I think he's been going on for a while. When, when things are not going well, they sing Abramovich's name, they sing Mourinho's name. And I, I don't know if it's a direct go at Pochettino and if it's a direct manifestation in a way of the fact that they're unhappy with him, that they don't like him or anything like that. I just think it's... Uh, it's a way of showing that they're just not happy with everything at the club right now. What's on the pitch, what's off the pitch. And yet, the, the previous owner had far more success than the current one, and which we kind of know. This, this is not a secret. I think they're also probably fed up by the inconsistency that we've mentioned so many times on the show. Being capable of 30 really good minutes today in the first half. And then in the second half, almost like not turning up. It's almost like if they stayed in the dressing room and they send another team that was not ready for what Brentford would do, which we all knew. At halftime, we all knew that Brentford would come back out in the second half and play with far more urgency, intensity, be more aggressive, playing the long balls, winning the second half. We, we, we knew it because this is how they planned. They didn't do it in the first half. They were never going to be as bad in the second half that they were in the first half. They were always going to improve a bit just simply with commitment and Chelsea were not ready and again I just don't understand we know this is a team with no certainties they have no margin it's just they're just because this is this is a summary of their season like we've been saying but to not be ready after the break of what could come at you after you've been so comfortable in the first half is just beyond me I can't comprehend I just don't know what Pochettino says to the players at half time 
because he should have said to them, listen, in the second half, they come, they co they're going to come back. They're in their own stadium. They're going to come back and come at you and go and be hard. So you'd have to respond. Instead, in Chelsea just fell apart. Jules uses the word inconsistency, right? I think, I mean, that's what you hear all the time mm. with Chelsea. When a team is inconsistent in this way, is it more on the players or is it more on the manager? Well, it has to come down to the manager as well. Mm. The players are also inconsistent. If, if you pick somebody like Mudrick, he's an example of a Chelsea player that's mm. inconsistent. He's got great pace, he can go past people, but, it, but when you watch him play, he's more likely to make mistakes. And you could say that about a lot of the Chelsea players. He seems more settled on his formation now. That midfield three playing more often than not. Chilwell at left wing back and Gusto at right wing that back. That sounds like progress. It's, so it, it, there is some sort of progress in terms of consistency of selection. Mm. And he obviously fancies Jackson rather than Kunku, who's not fully fit at the moment. And Palmer's playing in one of those forward roles. Mm -hmm. uh, he, left, uh, he left Sterling out the side uh, today and came on and, and did okay for the last 15 minutes. But Jules is right. Um, you know, they are inconsistent, mm -hmm. both with their effort and their performances. I saw you on the uh, website talking about this game, and you said now they should just focus on the FA Cup. I think they got Leicester in the next round. I mean, would you even, would you even have confidence in Chelsea against championship-level opposition? No. No, tell how can you? Because you don't know what you're going to get. Listen, Brent, Brentford, mm. Brentford are a team that plays like championship teams. It's basically what it is. So there's no question that a championship team can give this Chelsea side um, problems at different stages of the game. Yes, for periods, they look like a proper team, but then all of a sudden that just disappears. And for me, yes, you can blame the coach, but at the end of the day, it's down to the players on the field, and in particular, nobody on the field who can get round the team and make sure that doesn't and he took happen. off his, what I would say, was his leader in Fernandes. He took mm. him off with 20 minutes to go. Frank, final thought on Chelsea to you? Well, for me, Pochettino should be the last to be blamed because I think the board should be first blamed for the decision that they made. Then the players, as Stevie said, you know, they're on the field and they knew, they're professional, they know uh, the player they're going to play against, they know their reaction, they know the talent of a Wisa, of a Tony and some others uh, they, they were playing today against and uh, they didn't react and as Jules said, you know, it, it was like they stayed in a dressing room and uh, I, I was a player, we've been players TV and Robo uh, and uh, we exactly uh, know what can what can happen if you're not ready to fight when you come back after, after the second half and it's what happened and it's, uh, it's not good, it's not preparing yourself for, for a fight. And, uh, and Pochettino could have said something, if you don't listen, if you're not ready, you won't, you won't, do, you won't do it. And, uh, and that's why I think Pochettino got something difficult to, to manage. He tried to do better. I think we can see with Gusto on the right side, I think he's a player that I really like and he does very well. Uh, we can see that uh, the mid middle of the park is getting more consistent. But you have so many other things that I don't like, and mostly it's the mentality as well. You can be not good, but be prepared. Be a warrior. At least you can, you can, you can fight with some other players that you cannot deal normally. But don't, don't just think that oh, with, with your talent it's enough. Chelsea then 11th in the Premier League table after a 2-2 draw away against Brentford. Frank. Robbo and Stevie will be back for today's edition of Extra Time. Of course, you can catch over on the ESPNFC YouTube channel. We take your questions off social media. Do not miss it. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, big story out of France. PSG playing to a scoreless draw against Monaco yesterday, but that's not really the story. Luis Enrique subbing off Kylian Mbappé at the half because he's got to get accustomed to life without Mbappé. And then Mbappé spent the entire second half in the stands with his uh, friends and family in what were some... Truly wild scenes. Frank and Jules back with us. Good French perspective. Jules, I'll start with you. What did you make of the scenes that we saw yesterday and this idea that Luis Enrique keeps putting out there that he needs to get ready for life without Mbappe while he's still got the player at his disposal? I have to, say, I have to be honest. I find it a bit strange that uh, Luis Enrique does that. He's his best player. I, so I don't really agree with the fact that well, we have to find a solution. We, we, we are playing now trying to get ready for next season. Next season, there'll be different players. Kylian is going to go, others might leave. I think they will sign a new, new, new players as well. So I don't really, it doesn't make any sense for me to say now, we, are, we need, we need to, f- to find a way of playing without him, to get used to, to play without him because he won't be there in six months time when the new season starts. I don't, I don't understand it. He's your best player. You can, you can find that he's not playing well, okay? Take him off, why not? But. Halftime yesterday, 65th minute last weekend, on the bench the weekend before. Mm-hmm. Since he announced that he was leaving, it looks to me like a punishment. And Luis Enrique can say differently. This morning he had a, a conversation with Kylian in his, in his office in the, at the training ground in Paris. And he told him that if there was nothing personal. It was just a decision, like a tactical and, and football decision. It was not a punishment for Kylian deciding to leave. I don't believe him. I'm not even sure if Kylian believes him either. But what we also have to say, this is not the attitude to have if you're killing Mbappe. If you, if you, if you are taken off at halftime and you're the captain because he, was the, he had the armband on Friday night, you can't not go back to the bench. You can't just go in the stands and go with your mum and all your entourage and all your people. And what's even maybe more embarrassing is that at the Monaco Stadium, and Frank would have played there many times, you have to walk around. So he actually walked all around the stadium to go and sit with his mum in the stands, which like all the camera was showing is him. We were not even looking at the, at the game anymore. We were just looking at him walking around the pitch to go to see his mum in the stands and, and sit there for the whole second half. It was, it was surreal, absolutely surreal. Stevie, what do you think of it? Well, that's tip for tat. Yeah. You think so? Oh, why? Said you, you're going to pull oh, me, I'll, I'll put on a show? I, honestly, uh, as a former coach, I, I certainly don't have anyone near the experience or, or certainly experience at the top level that Luis Enrique has. But for him to be doing this right now makes absolutely no sense to anybody. I don't understand why you would even think about it. All the reasons Joel said, mm-hmm. this, this has to be some power trip because it's not doing 
the rest of the players any good. It's not doing upstairs any good. You think he's trying to win over the rest of the dressing room because Mbappe's on his way out? Or what, what do you think he's no, trying to achieve? No, the best way to win the dressing room was by winning games mm. and making good decisions. Surely, surely to win a game, you put your best players on the field. So why are you taking this guy off? Mm. This, this smells of somebody just trying to flex their muscles for no apparent reason. Because there's no good reason for it. You've been a coach, Robert. What do you make of it? The only reason you would take your best player off uh, at, at the times that Jules said is if he wasn't trying. You felt as though he's not, he's not trying anymore. He's saving himself mm. for Real Madrid, so he doesn't want to get injured, so he's going half-hearted into games. He's not playing at, at full pelt, and that looks bad on him and the coach. Otherwise than that, you've got to keep him on the field. He's your best player, and all you're going to do is cause problems for yourself. Mm. Frank, yesterday's show, you said you didn't think that... Or you said that if this was punishment, that Luis Enrique would never admit to it, Right. Um, do you think it is punishment? I wouldn't say that. I don't really know. I think it would have been an easy excuse for him to find. He's just say, you know, I want uh, Kylian to rest because we have a Champions League game. And it would have been fair enough, you know, to understand why that decision was made. But I'm with all the guys. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, I find the behavior of Kylian not... Not very nice. Not appointed mm. to uh, what he stands and uh, and uh, and the level he's as he, he is. Sorry, and uh, uh, he should have gone on the bench with the others. And he's not. It's uh, not holidays. It's not because you're going to go to Monaco, your former club, that you allowed to do whatever you want and uh, and be like at home and do whatever you want. No, no, he should have stick to uh, stuck to the players and go to the bench on the bench and and uh, stay with the uh, with the group and the, the squad. That's not nice for, from Kylian, but that's not nice from Luis Enrique. That decision doesn't make any sense, really. It, was, it surprised everybody. And of course, all the medias, uh, and I was watching the game on, on the French television, didn't talk about the game anymore. Mm. They just wonder for 45 minutes why Mbappé uh, was out. And uh, we don't have the explanation, the real explanation. Uh, I think it's just because Luis Enrique is fed up with M Mbappé. For me, that's the only reason. Jules, last word on this to you. How do you think this is going to play out over the next couple months? Uh, I was, that's what I was going to say, Sebi. It's all about Tuesday night. And that Real Sociedad second leg game in the Champions League, they have that advantage from the first leg, the 2-0 up. Of course, but with them, as we, as we know and as we've seen through the years, you just you have no guarantee whatsoever. So let's see. And, and if, if, again, this happens, he takes him off early, something happens, he doesn't start him, whatever, and they get knocked out, Mm. I mean, I hope Luis Enrique will, will be solid in the explanation because then it will, it will backfire massively on him. So Tuesday, and they cleared the air this morning. We said they had a meeting, they had a discussion, and they cleared the air. Fine, but it's all about Tuesday now. And if Tuesday doesn't go well, then I think Luis Enrique will have a lot to answer for. All right. Well, uh, Kylian Mbappé's uh, next stop, of course, is going to be Real Madrid. Let's reset things uh, and visit the controversial ending to the Real Madrid-Valencia game. Which uh, just went final a little bit ago here on ESPN+. Plus. It was 2-2. End of added time. Jesus Gil Manzano, the center ref, blows his whistle here with the ball in the air. Jude Bellingham heads home what he thinks is a game winner. But the game's over. Absolute madness at Mestalla. And there you see the scenes. Uh, Jude Bellingham would actually get a red card in the chaotic aftermath of this match as we get another look at it. Ball hung up in the air there. Bellingham heads home, but you can see on the right side of your screen there, center referee had blown his whistle. 
despite, uh, despite all the uh, protests from the Real Madrid players. I believe we got Sid Lowe standing by at the Mestai where they have just turned the lights out on us. Uh, Sid, you witnessed it live, man. What did you make of it? <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you, what I made of it at first was I had no idea what on earth had just happened. And, and watching it unfold live was, was very striking because I think there's a conceptual problem. And I, I think there was a conceptual problem at the end of the first half, and which we discussed at halftime, which is the fact that stadium clocks don't show you which minute you're in. And I think that's really easily resolved. And so it drives me mad that they don't do it. And I think there's a conceptual problem that leads to part of the, the if you like, the confusion with the final goal. And that conceptual problem is I see absolutely no justification or no reason whatsoever, whatsoever for a referee to feel the need to go up to all of the players and say, this is the last play before it's the last play. No, when your time's up, blow your whistle. You're telling them it's the last play. Okay, so what you're essentially saying is, listen, you've got one more shot at this and then it's done. And so in that sense, not allowing the goal to stand is, of course, the right decision. And not allowing the goal to stand is the right decision because, as you've said there, he blows the whistle while before Bellingham makes the header. But watching it unfold live, as soon as that ball came out of the penalty area at the side of the pitch, you're thinking, why hasn't he blown? Mm. Okay, he's allowing a second phase of this attack to happen. And so for it then to be blown is the thing. He's caused an, an absolute kind of chaotic scenes at the end in terms of in terms of the way that the players reacted. It's ended up with a Bellingham red card because it was just totally unnecessary to manage it in that way. Um, down the tunnel, by the way, confrontations between uh, a couple of Real Madrid players and security staff. Uh, a Real Madrid player punching one of the TV backdrop boards. The player's absolutely furious. Betting, of course, going off furious. Ancelotti post-game said, and I think this is going to be interesting to see how this plays out, and this is another thing that I think referees get wrong, personally. Ancelotti said post-game, Bellingham was sent off when he did not insult the referee. He did, though, use the F word twice. Mm. Now, because the referee hears that word, he assumes it's an insult and has no sense, because he doesn't speak English, of the context of it. So I, I think we've, we've partly, in a way, seen a mess today that just kind of wasn't necessary. And I, I, I agree with Ancelotti, by the way. I think it's an extraordinary thing to happen. Ancelotti said it's never happened to him before. Mm, never. Sid, so do, you, do you expect Real Madrid to appeal then? Yes, absolutely. I expect them to appeal. Something very similar happened uh, around about a month ago with, with, with Mason Greenwood at Getafe. That Greenwood um, was fouled a couple of times and then had a foul called against him. And he turned around and, and, and used the F word, but used the F word in a way of saying, for goodness sake. And they, Getafe argued this and they said, look, the referee has heard the F word, so therefore assumes that he's insulted him. But he hasn't. He's responding to a decision. That's not in the referee's face. It's not having a go at him. Now, tonight is slightly different, it's true, because Bellingham runs to the referee and Bellingham throws his arm up. But there isn't an insult of the referee. There isn't an attack on the referee. Ancelotti post-game, what he said was, look, yes, he was very vehement in the way that he went to the referee. Yes, he was angry, but that's normal. And I think you're probably right. It's normal in the 99th minute when you've scored the goal that you think that's, got the, that's given you the winner and it's taken away on, on something like that. Whether right or wrong, taken away on something like that, I think it'd be understandable. So I think Madrid will appeal. I don't know if they'll win it because I don't think it's quite as clear-cut as the Greenwood one, but I, I, I think they will appeal, yes. What do you think? Can you defend Jude Bellingham here, Stevie? Not really. You can't go running at a referee and whether you say nice things or not, the, fact, the mere fact that you show the aggression towards the referee, you're always going to come out second best. And so I don't, I don't see how they overturn it, quite frankly. Rubber. And that's the worrying thing, that Ancelotti thinks that's OK. Yeah.
He said, uh, yeah, no, he, all he did was he went to the referee. Yes, he was vehement in, in, his, in his approach to the referee and he got in his face. Mm -hmm. well, that's, that's not good enough. That <laughs> well, shouldn't happen. That, he's got to defend, defend his player, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, of course he does. That, and that's fine, but, mm -hmm. but don't expect anything because there's not, there are not too many people outside of Real Madrid that will agree with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. uh, Sid, anything else interesting come out of the post-match press conferences? I know you were at Ancelotti's. Anybody else? Yeah, well, I mean, both Ancelotti and Ruben Baraja talked about that decision. Of course, they gave slightly different views on it, although actually Ruben Baraja said, I can understand why Real Madrid are annoyed. I think one of the things that was interesting, actually, about how Ancelotti dealt with this post-game was that he talked about the, the result itself. So beyond the fact that, you know, whether or not they should have got the final goal, beyond the, 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 the kind of the controversy around it, beyond all the noise about Vinicius, he was asked about whether he was concerned. Because if you look at recent results, of course, they, they, they drew with Raya Vallecano, they, they only beat with Sevilla 1-0, They've picked up five from the last nine points. So four points dropped in three games is quite a lot for a team that's, that's at the top of the table and worries about, or, or could worry at least, about teams catching them up. And what Ancelotti said was, actually, no, I don't think so. He said, if you come away to a team like Valencia at this stage of the season, the position we're in, a draw is actually a pretty good point. And, and I think given the way they played in the first half, because they really weren't very good at all in the first half, I think there is a degree of satisfaction in having come back from that. So I don't think he will be overly concerned about that. The other thing he said, which I thought was interesting, despite the fact that of course with all the noise around Vinicius Vinicius comes here and scores two goals and so you kind of feel it's all about him Ancelotti said and I was I was struck that he would say this publicly about one of his players he said look he played better in the area in other words to, to scoring the two goals than he did outside the area in other words what he's saying is Vinicius didn't actually play that well tonight mm. but of course he was decisive scored the two goals as Real Madrid go away to Valencia and get a 2-2 draw they now have a seven point cushion atop the table. Tomorrow we'll see if uh, Girona or Barcelona can claw their way into that lead. Both those teams uh, in action tomorrow uh, in La Liga. Alright, thank you very much, Sid. Uh, great to have you with us there from Mestalla. And uh, as we mentioned, here's a look at your upcoming schedule there. Uh, Barcelona, that coverage starts at 2.30 p.m. away at Athletic Club here on ESPN Plus and Girona. Uh, who right now are seven points back, are away against Mallorca. Coverage starting there at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's go from Spain to Italy. Incident yesterday's 1-0 win for Milan over Lazio. It was scoreless here in the second half. Christian Pulisic, with no whistle, is going to kind of play through it and gets thrown to the ground. Luca Pellegrini is going to get a red card. And this has drawn quite a bit of controversy. I don't really know who, but apparently there's some people very, very mad at Christian Pulisic, Lazio fans, sending uh, death threats to him via social media, uh, people saying he's a cheat. Anything wrong with what Pulisic did there? Pulisic had no idea there was somebody on the ground. Absolutely none. So the fact that he tried to get the ball, he's well within his rights to do so. Uh, quite frankly, Pellegrini should have just kicked the ball out. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, absolutely nothing to do with Pulisic this whatsoever, in my opinion. Any problem with what Pulisic did? No, absolutely not. As Stevie said, he didn't know. The, the incident was behind him. He's mm. running to the ball. Pellegrini didn't want to kick the ball out because he wanted to get possession back again. Mm. That's what, so the, the referee would give it back to him. Um, so he was the one that was in the wrong. Pulisic did nothing wrong whatsoever. Mm. It, uh, it, was, uh, it, it was poor, poor from him. Frank, they teach you to play to the whistle. I guess that's what Pulisic's doing here, right? Yeah, 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 I have no problem with, uh, with Pulisic's behavior because we can see, you know, he fights for the ball. We see the ref on the, on the edge of, uh, of the, left, uh, the left of the screen. 
maybe whistling, but maybe Polisic didn't hear. But it's true that Pellegrini should have kicked the ball away instead of waving and trying to stop uh, uh, Polisic at first and then after uh, putting him down. That's, that's insane. And, 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 and nowadays we can see uh, players deciding before the referee when you have to stop the ball and when you have to kick the ball away and wait because there is somebody injured. No, I, I don't know. And we don't know if the referee whistled. Uh, for sure, police didn't hear and didn't see. And he had completely the right to carry on. And uh, Pellegrini should have kicked the ball and it would have been the end of the story. Jules, uh, Stefano Pioli defended Pulisic after the match. In fact, the, the Italian press kind of kept going back at him, back at him, back at him. Eventually gets frustrated and kind of leaves the press conference. Who is actually mad about this? Yeah, I mean, there was a second incident as well that got Matteo Ganduzzi sent mm -hmm. off right at the end of the game when Pulisic made a, a cynical foul, which is, you know, you play additional time and you're, you're in the lead and, and he pulls his arm and then Ganduzzi, who Frank and I know really well, retaliated and got himself <laughs> sent off for that and so I think that the two incidents really the first one with Pellegrini the second one with Ganduzi added to the whole politic uh, craziness around the post-match scenes and the the press conferences the interviews and uh, that's what I think purely was has had enough it's a massive win for Milan because they didn't play well at all in that game and they obviously have bigger games to come in the Europa League as well and in the league too so for them to go and win it was very special I think and then for purely to only be asked about Pulisic, I think three or four questions in a row, I can understand why he's like, come on, this is all you have to ask me? Then I'm off. There you have it. I uh, wonder if they'll get uh, any more of that on the Gab and Jules podcast. Next show dropping on Monday. Always curious what Jules will be wearing. Gab will be wearing a hoodie, a hooded sweatshirt, every single episode. But Jules uh, always has the best gear over there on the Gab and Jules show. <laughs> All right, that'll just about do it for this edition of ESPN FC. Thanks for watching. Don't go far. Extra time starts in just a few seconds. I've got to sprint across the studio and get the, uh, get the questions. What a trouble then if you've got a sprint. <laughs>I'm kidding. I don't have to sprint. I have him. I have him. You can just come to me on camera. Oh, do you just go that fast? I was just that fast. <laughs> I thought I didn't have him. I have him here. Welcome into the ESPN FC studios for this edition of Extra Time. We've got Robbo, Stevie, and Seb also joining us uh, from afar. We've got Frank LaBeouf. Let's uh, dive into these questions. Jack asks, oh, Jack is a good friend of the program. Jack actually works on the program. <laughs> Stevie said earlier that today's win over Forest is important because Liverpool will still be first in the league if they lose to City next week, I'm no expert, but does anyone want to check his math? No, no. On I, I, that, we don't check yeah. math here. Oh, there, Leslie. We don't. Oh, there, Leslie. We don't. You didn't get oh, your math there, there, Leslie. I you said. Your math from Don Hutchison. I said mm -hmm. that Liverpool could lose to City and still be top of the league. Could. 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 Thank you. Right. Okay. So, Jack. You know the rest of yeah. it. Jack, take Jack, that. You take know the rest that. of it. I said they could. Uh, yes. What's the gap right now? Four. And, uh, it's four, but it's four, yeah. So you got a big tough game tomorrow, Man United. Ooh, oh, shots fired not. there, Steve. Maybe not. Natum's interior decorator. Would you guys have been as aggrieved as the Madrid players at the end of the game where the ref seemed to have blown his whistle for full time a little bit earlier, especially since the last action would have given them a late winner? Frank, I don't know how much uh, of your opinion we've gotten on this. What do you think? 
I, I, I would have been a Real Madrid player, I would have gone crazy <laughs> because you feel, of course, so unfair. But uh, in a neutral point of view, I have no problem whatsoever with the referee turning his back, thinking that the ball is going to go on the side, on the right side, and whistling uh, uh, for, for the end of the game. And I, I didn't do that. I have no problem. He, he made his decision. I understand that it uh, can be a controversy, but that's what it is. And, uh, and um, I have, again, no problem with the fact that he did that and uh, that the end of the game. What he should have done was blown the whistle, as Frank said, when the ball was going out towards the touchline. He went to blow it, then took it back out of his mouth, and then he blew it when the cross came in. That was the wrong time. Yeah, I don't think you agree with that, Frankie, do you? No, well, you know what? Uh, I, 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 thought that he, I thought that he turned his back to the action and started the first one. He didn't and I think he has mouth. to whistle three times. We have to do it three times. I, I, do, you, do you agree with me? He's not anymore. Not so, anymore. Uh, I, but he didn't. Not anymore. But the first so we one. Good. So the guy made a. Re so <laughs> only one. So if he did on the cross, that's a terrible mistake. Yeah. That's if he did, did it just before, that's what he I did. have no problem. No, right. No, he did it on the cross, Frank. Okay. The first one. The first blow. Okay. So the guy is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't change your mind from Frank there. Are you, Tom? <laughs> uh, Stevie. Well, uh, let me just say this because I have to read it as, it as it's written here. Steve, this comes from Steve Nichols, Private Chef. Stevie, if we beat City next week, do you think we will win the league? Obviously, talking about Liverpool. Well, if you can, if you can go to City and win with the amount of injuries you have, then surely that's that's the litmus test. Going to a place like City and winning. If you can do that, do you think they will though? No. Yeah. Salah still got the hamstring. They've got too many injuries, you know, and they might have some guys back, but they won't have kicked the ball for. Six, six to eight weeks. So you can't, you can't afford to, to play against a team like City, particularly away from home, with, you know, carrying anybody. Mm -hmm. And so, if there's one team that do play well against Man City, it has been Liverpool over the years, hasn't it? But that's with a full team, though. Yeah. A full team. The starting eleven, everybody fit, charged up, ready to go. Mm -hmm which is way, way from what Liverpool are right now. Can the magic continue? That's our next question here. Jimmy asks, can Liverpool uh, sorry, continue? Uh, oh, go ahead, Frank. Uh, Seb, yes. Seb, sorry, I have a question for Stevie. In, in another hand, in another hand, if Liverpool is beaten like five or six nil, do you think it's gonna be psychologically uh, hard to swallow and might be the end of the run and the race for Liverpool? I don't think psychologically it would be hard to swallow. I just think that what they've got right now isn't good enough to, to, to sustain between now and the end of the season and win enough games. And the fact is, if you lose to City after they've beat Man United, mm -hmm. then it's in City's hands. So I don't think it would be a huge psychological blow. I just think it would be reality more than anything else. Because they'll go into the game with players missing, thinking they can do well and win the game. Because mm -hmm. everybody does. But after the game, reality will set in. Particularly with Klopp and the coaching staff and think, you know, realistically, did we really think we could go to Manchester City mm -hmm. with the 11 we have and seriously think we're going to outplay them and beat them? So 
I think you've got to be realistic. It would, it would be a surprise for Liverpool to beat City with the 11 that they had out today. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Next question is also Liverpool. Can Liverpool continue to crank out results with late cloppage time goals? I mean, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like, are they deep enough to continue this run? If they keep doing as they did, have done in recent weeks, piling on the pressure and, and uh, getting crosses into the box and they bring off people off the bench that can head the ball like Nunez did today, they've got chances of winning late goals. They've got a belief that they can win late goals. All the teams that get late goals have that belief. Arsenal have done it for quite a few, uh, uh, you know, in quite a few games where they've won games right at the end. That's what's kept them in the title. Clean sheets. Clean, clean sheets keep and late clean, goals. Clean sheets, you've always got an opportunity to win the game. And we saw that today. But when you say Liverpool don't have enough, you mean like even when the guys come back who are not healthy now? Yeah, well they haven't kicked a ball for eight weeks yet. It was a complete world of difference. I'm not even just thinking about being... the Man City game. I'm thinking for the for the run in. Like well, when you say they don't is, have enough, you're, well, the problem is when guys get healthy, that you do you still not think they have enough. The problem is if you lose to City, if they beat Man United tomorrow, which we expect them to, mm -hmm. if you lose to City, you're behind the black ball. Right. Before you, you be, before you get everybody back fit. So. Yeah, I wouldn't put your money on it if that's what I'm... No, not even my money. Not even your though. Right. All right, Norwegian Racing Fish asks, luck always has a component for most winning sides. Another Liverpool question. Does it seem like Liverpool has enough luck to carry them to the title uh, in spite of all their injuries? Uh, Frank, what do you think? Do you think Liverpool can kind of ride this the rest of the way? Or will the luck run out? Yes. Yes, again, you know, and as Stevie mentioned, the clean sheet uh, at the back, you know, except uh, uh, Conor Bradley, I think is his name, his first name, uh, who has maybe not, not enough experience to, to, to sustain at a level, uh, but as the talent, you know, they, they, they're very strong at the back. And if they can keep the clean, the clean sheet, everything can happen and you can score at the last second. And if you are lucky enough, yeah, you can carry on. Uh, hoping for the best and, uh, and winning games like that. Um, we mentioned that during the uh, during the show. It's possible, and um, um, and today what they achieved today is the the picture for me of a, a future winner of the Premier League. You need the luck. You need at a certain point a part of luck. Is it sure. fair to say they're the least convincing right now of the title contenders? Is that fair? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Both the other teams have pretty much got the first 11. Mm -hmm. Liverpool's got half of the 11. So, yeah, clearly. You agree? Yeah, Liverpool are doing well, and Frank's with a little bit of luck as well, but they're doing well to stay top of the table. Mm -hmm. And they did that in the Carabao Cup as well. Everybody thought that Chelsea were going to go and win the game, and it sums up both clubs. Liverpool stuck in at it, as they've done in the league. Chelsea were caught floundering at the end. Stevie, who got his head worse? Robbo hitting the camera in studio, or are you running into an errant branch in the woods? <laughs> oh. Now let me ask first, for those that don't know the Robbo story, hit his head on the jib camera here in studio. I wasn't here, were you here that day? Did you witness it? No. I, I didn't witness that, no. So how bad was that first, so we just have an idea of how bad that was? So, <laughs> the problem was, I was in a rush. So I had to get back to Boston Airport two hours at the, after the end of the show. Oh, okay. So as I came in, I hit my head on the jib, and I thought, oh, that's a bit... And then suddenly the blood was pouring down. 
So you didn't... It wasn't... A, I didn't have stitches. Right. All I had was, a, in the end, a little, I think, a, a, what do they call it? A little... A couple of little plasters. Uh, right. And then a, a big plaster over the top of it, which was then had makeup on it. So you it look, look no worse bad. for the wear. I mean, you can't even see it now. Oh. The thing is, you can't see it, but under the jib, it's sharp. It is very sharp. Is that where you hit your head? Right on the... Oh. Right on the sharp bit, yeah. Adrian, Adrian did it. I'm a short knocker. I never have to worry about that. Adrian one. Healy did it before the show. Did he? Oh, Adrian's he, also a tall guy. Aye, he came in, hit it. And we're like, Adrian, you need... And he went, no, no, I'll be fine. And it, as the blood's running down his head, he's like, no, I'll be fine. We're like, well, that is a problem. Was he bleeding on air? He was bleeding. That would have been... Uh, well, we got up, we well, that's got... what I didn't think. When I hit it, I thought, oh, just... And then it was the amount of blood that... Yeah, because I remember, like, they had to bring in, like, oh, the, the campus the, security yeah. and everybody. Oh, everybody yeah. There was an incident Police, I think report. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and what happened to you? I didn't get you. What happened to you in the woods? I uh, walked into a branch. So was it? As, you think it was not as bad as Robbo's? Or I was more annoyed than Robbo was. Robbo took his pretty well. Yeah. How do you walk into a branch? How does that happen? We know how walking into a camera happens, but how does walking into a branch? Well, I'm sure it'll come as a surprise to you, but you're not looking where you're going. Mm. I think that you? Was Are you up. doing some gardening or something? I, I, can't, I can't imagine no, you being no. a gardener. No, no. So we're taking the dogs for a walk, right? In the woods, isn't that? Yeah, true we took the dog in the, walk, the woods. You know the what time. the answer is? Don't you? Wear a cap. Mm. Well, I, I had a hat, but I'd taken it off because it was warm. <laughs> the sun came shining through the trees. I took my hat off and then walked into the brand. Mm. What a moment! Great fun. Uh, another question here from Ezio. Seb, do you actually believe eleven Stevies at fifty? Beat 11 Sebs at your prime. Over 90 minutes, you should be able to use your athleticism to win. This harkens back to an extra time question from a few weeks ago where it was posed, could 11 Stevies at the age of 50, 50 I would have beat done. 11 Sebs in my physical yep. prime, which was probably uh, 15 years ago? Yes. And no, there's a zero chance, Stevie. I would have worked you unbelievably. When you were 50 I was and 50. I was 25? Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, Stevie, no way. Yeah. No way. I would. I've seen, I've seen Steve in a pair of shorts <laughs> and a top at 50. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for yeah. you. Sir. There you go. You would have walked me. Thank you, Rabo. There's, there's a problem. When did you stop got, playing? Got, Sorry, like, when did you there's stop? There's a round thing that you've got to control. So you can run as long and as hard ah, and as fast as you want. You, just, you can't even control the bag of cement. You just you ain't getting sleep anywhere. on my ability. Sleep on my ability. You have no chance. It wasn't even close. <laughs> You didn't see me when you were in the Revolution Manager and you were looking at the oh, college draft I choices. You didn't get down there to Division Three, Seb. Gee, I can only imagine. <laughs> hey, didn't you have a? Didn't you have Kari Stevenson there at the Revs? My sprinter. No, no, there was a. There was, was a big player who played like uh, he yeah. played at like Division Three school in like I think Williams up there, and I think he played for you for a while. No, he didn't. Bounced around. Uh, you know, I know. Yes. Oh, so what about Kari Stevenson? Stevie, so you would you claim you would beat me? Yes. Um, I don't. You are fifty, I right? Yeah. Okay. Will you ever figure out the battle against your IFB, your earpiece, which <laughs> just keeps popping? Oh God, look at that! Stevie versus the earpiece, a much uh, more intriguing matchup than Stevie at fifty versus Seb in my prime. It doesn't fit very well. No, it doesn't fit very well, right? I need to bring my own. Yes. Yeah. It's okay. If I had one, I'd bring my own. Did it fit at 50? The IFB? The IFB? Yeah, did it fit when you were 50? No, my ears have always been this size. Okay. It's all those hairs in his ears that's <laughs> pushing it out. That's what it is. Yeah, no, that would keep them in. All right. Uh, that'll do it, I think, for this edition of Extra Time. Thank you very much, Frank, for playing along with us, imagining 11 Stevies versus 11 Sebs. Oh.
Uh, we'll be back for tomorrow's <laughs> edition of ESPN FC, no doubt uh, covering the Manchester, Manchester United match. Get out of here.